Chapter Thirty, Part Two, of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Principles of Geology, by Charles Lyell, Chapter Thirty, Part Two. The town of Udavala stands at the head of a narrow creek, overhung by steep and barren rocks of gneiss of which all the adjacent country is composed except in the low grounds and bottoms of valleys where strata of sand clay and marl frequently hide the fundamental rocks to these newer and horizontal deposits the fossil shells above mentioned belong and similar marine remains are found at various heights above the sea on the opposite island of urust the extreme distance from the sea to which such fossils extend is as yet unknown, but they have been already found at Tralhattan in digging the canal there, and still farther inland on the northern borders of Lake Werner, fifty miles from the sea, at an elevation of two hundred feet near Lake Rogvarpen. To pass the Baltic, I observed near its shores, at Sotertelje, sixteen miles southwest of Stockholm, strata of sand clay and marl more than a hundred feet high and containing shells of species now inhabiting the bothnian gulf these consist partly of marine and partly of freshwater species but they are few in number the brackishness of the water appearing to be very unfavorable to the development of testacea the most abundant species are the common cockle and the common mussel and periwinkle of our shores, Cardium eduli, Mytilus edulis, and Litorina litoria, together with a small telina, T. baltica, and a few minute univalves allied to Paludina ulva. These live in the same water as Limnius, a neuritina in fluviatilis and some other freshwater shells but the marine mollusks of the baltic above mentioned although very numerous in individuals are dwarfish in size scarcely ever attaining a third of the average dimensions which they acquire in the salter waters of the ocean by this character alone a geologist would generally be able to recognize an assemblage of baltic fossils as distinguished from those derived from a deposit in the ocean the absence also of oysters barnacles whelks scallops limpets ostrea balanus buccinum pectin patella and many other forms abounding alike in the sea near udavala and in the fossiliferous deposits of modern date on that coast supplies an additional negative character of the greatest value distinguishing assemblages of baltic from those of oceanic shells now the strata containing baltic shells are found in many localities near stockholm Uppsala, and gefla and will probably be discovered elsewhere around the borders of the bothnian gulf for i have seen similar remains brought from finland in marl resembling that found near stockholm the utmost distance to which these deposits have yet been traced inland is on the southern shores of lake mailer at a place seventy miles from the sea hence it appears from the distinct assemblage of fossil shells found on the eastern and western coasts of sweden that the baltic has been for a long period 
separated as now from the ocean although the intervening tract of land was once much narrower even after both seas had become inhabited by all the existing species of testacea as no accurate observations on the rise of the swedish coast refer to periods more remote than a century and a half from the present time and as traditional information and that derived from ancient buildings on the coast do not enable the antiquary to trace back any monuments of change for more than five or six centuries we cannot declare whether the rate of the upheaving force is uniform during very long periods in those districts where the fossil shells are found at the height of more than two hundred feet above the ocean as at udavala orist and lake rogvarpen the present rate of rise seems less than four feet in a century even at that rate it would have required five thousand years to lift up those deposits but as the movement is now very different in different places it may also have varied much in intensity at different eras we have moreover yet to learn not only whether the motion proceeds always at the same rate but also whether it has been uniformly in one direction the level of the land may oscillate and for centuries there may be a depression and afterwards a re-elevation of the same district some phenomena in the neighborhood of stockholm appear to me only explicable on the supposition of the alternate rising and sinking of the ground since the country was inhabited by man in digging a canal in eighteen nineteen at sartertelja about sixteen miles to the south of stockholm to unite lake Mueller with the baltic marine strata containing fossil shells of baltic species were passed through at a depth of about sixty feet they came down upon what seems to have been a buried fishing hut constructed of wood in a state of decomposition which soon crumbled away on exposure to the air the lowest part however which has stood on a level with the sea was in a more perfect state of preservation on the floor of this hut was a rude fireplace consisting of a ring of stones and within this there were cinders and charred wood on the outside lay boughs of the fir cut as with an axe with the leaves or needles still attached it seems very difficult to explain the position of this buried hut without imagining as in the case of the temple of serapis first a subsidence to the depth of more than sixty feet then a re-elevation during that period of submergence the hut must have been covered over with gravel and shelly marl under which not only the hut but several vessels also were found of a very antique form and having their timbers fastened together by wooden pegs instead of nails whether any of the land in norway is now rising must be determined by future investigations marine fossil shells of recent species have been collected from inland places near drontheim but mr everest in his travels through norway informs us that the small island of munkholm which is an insulated rock in the harbour of drontheim affords conclusive evidence of the land having in that region remained stationary for the last eight centuries the area of this isle does not exceed that of a small village and by an official survey its highest point has been determined to be twenty-three feet above the mean high-water mark that is the mean between neap and spring tides now a monastery was founded there by canute the great 
A.D. 1028, and thirty-three years before that time it was in use as a common place of execution, according to the assumed average rate of rise in Sweden, about forty inches in a century, we should be obliged to suppose that this island had been three feet eight inches below high-water mark when it was originally chosen as the site of the monastery. Professor Kielhauer of Christiania, after collecting the observations of his predecessors respecting former changes of level in Norway and combining them with his own, has made the fact of a general change of level at a modern period, that is to say, within the period of the actual testaceous fauna, very evident. He infers that the whole country from Cape Lindesnaes to Cape North, and beyond that as far as the fortress of Vardhus, has been gradually upraised, and on the southeast coast the elevation has amounted to more than 600 feet. The marks which denote the ancient coastline are so nearly horizontal that the deviation from horizontality, although the measurements have been made at a great number of points, is too small to be appreciated. More recently, 1844, however, it appears from the researchers of M. Bravet, member of the French Scientific Commission of the North, that in the Gulf of Altin in Finnmark, the most northerly part of Norway, there are two distinct lines of upraised ancient sea coast, one above the other, which are not parallel, and both of them imply that within a distance of fifty miles a considerable slope can be detected in such a direction as to show that the ancient shores have undergone a greater amount of upheaval in proportion as we advance inland. It has already been stated that in proceeding from the North Cape to Stockholm, the rate of upheaval diminishes from several feet to a few inches in a century. To the south of Stockholm, the upward movement ceases, and at length, in Scania, or the southernmost part of Sweden, it appears to give place to a movement in an opposite direction. In proof of this fact, Professor Nilsson observes, in the first place, that there are no elevated beds of recent marine shells in Scania like those farther to the north. Secondly, Linnaeus, with a view of ascertaining whether the waters of the Baltic were retiring from the Scanian shore, measured in 1749 the distance between the sea and a large stone near Trelleborg. This same stone was, in 1836, a hundred feet nearer the water's edge than in Linnaeus's time, or eighty-seven years before. Thirdly, there is also a submerged peat moss, consisting of land and freshwater plants, beneath the sea at a point to which no peat could have been drifted down by any river. Fourthly, and what is still more conclusive, it is found that in seaport towns all along the coast of Scania, there are streets below the high-water level of the Baltic, and in some cases below the level of the lowest tide. Thus, when the wind is high at Malmo, the water overflows one of the present streets, and some years ago some excavations showed an ancient street in the same place eight feet lower, and it was then seen that there had been an artificial raising of the ground, doubtless in consequence of that subsidence. There is also a street in Trelleborg, and another at Scanor, a few inches below high-water mark, and a street in Stad is exactly on a level with the sea, at which it could not have been originally built. 
the inferences deduced from the foregoing facts are in perfect harmony with the proofs brought to light by two danish investigators dr pingle and captain gra of the sinking down of part of the west coast of greenland for a space of more than six hundred miles from north to south the observations of captain gra were made during a survey of greenland in eighteen twenty three to twenty four and afterwards in eighteen twenty eight to twenty nine those by dr pingle were made in eighteen thirty to thirty two it appears from various signs and traditions that the coast has been subsiding for the last four centuries from the firth called igalico in latitude sixty degrees forty three minutes north to disco bay extending to nearly the sixty-ninth degree of north latitude ancient buildings on low rocky islands and on the shore of the mainland have been gradually submerged and experience has taught the aboriginal greenlander never to build his hut near the water's edge in one case the moravian settlers have been obliged more than once to move inland the poles upon which their large boats were set and the old poles still remain beneath the water as silent witnesses of the change the probable cause of the movements above alluded to whether of elevation or depression will be more appropriately discussed in the following chapters when the origin of subterranean heat is considered but i may remark here that the rise of scandinavia has naturally been regarded as a very singular and scarcely credible phenomenon because no region on the globe has been more free within the times of authentic history from violent earthquakes in common indeed with our own island and with almost every spot on the globe some movements have been at different periods experienced both in norway and sweden but some of these as for example during the lisbon earthquake in seventeen fifty five may have been mere vibrations or undulatory movements of the earth's crust prolonged from a great distance others however have been sufficiently local to indicate a source of disturbance immediately under the country itself notwithstanding these shocks scandinavia has upon the whole been as tranquil in modern times as free from subterranean convulsions as any region of equal extent on the globe there is also another circumstance which has made the change of level in sweden appear anomalous and has for a long time caused the proofs of the fact to be received with reluctance volcanic action as we have seen is usually intermittent and the variations of level to which it has given rise have taken place by starts not by a prolonged and insensible movement similar to that experienced in sweden yet as we enlarge our experience of modern changes we discover instances in which the volcanic eruption the earthquake and the permanent rise or fall of land whether slow or sudden are all connected the union of these various circumstances was exemplified in the case of the temple of serapis described in the last chapter and we might derive other illustrations from the events of the present century in south america some writers indeed have imagined that there is geological evidence in norway of the sudden upheaval of land to a considerable height at successive periods since the era when the sea was inhabited by the living species of testacea they point in proof to certain horizontal lines of inland cliffs 
and sea beaches containing recent shells at various heights above the level of the sea but these appearances when truly interpreted simply prove that there have been long pauses in the process of upheaval or subsidence they mark eras at which the level of the sea has remained stationary for ages and during which new strata were deposited near the shore in some places while in others the waves and currents had time to hollow out rocks undermine cliffs and throw up long ranges of shingle they undoubtedly show that the movement has not been always uniform or continuous but they do not establish the fact of any sudden alterations of level when we are once assured of the reality of the gradual rise of a large region it enables us to account for many geological appearances otherwise of very difficult explanation there are large continental tracts and high tablelands where the strata are nearly horizontal bearing no marks of having been thrown up by violent convulsions nor by a series of movements such as those which occur in the andes and cause the earth to be rent open and raised or depressed from time to time while large masses are engulfed in subterranean cavities the result of a series of such earthquakes might be to produce in great lapse of ages a country of shattered inclined and perhaps vertical strata but a movement like that of Scandinavia would cause the bed of the sea and all the strata recently formed in it to be upheaved so gradually that it would merely seem as if the ocean had formerly stood at a higher level and had slowly and tranquilly sunk down to its present bed. The fact also of a very gradual and insensible elevation of land may explain many geological movements of denudation on a grand scale. If, for example, instead of the hard granitic rocks of norway and sweden a large part of the bed of the atlantic consisting chiefly of soft strata should rise up century after century at the rate of about half an inch or an inch in a year how easily might oceanic currents sweep away the thin film of matter thus brought up annually within the sphere of aqueous denudation the tract when it finally emerged might present tablelands and ridges of horizontal strata with intervening valleys and vast plains where originally and during its period of submergence the surface was level and nearly uniform these speculations relate to superficial changes but others must be continually in progress in the subterranean regions the foundations of the country thus gradually uplifted in sweden must be undergoing important modifications whether we ascribe these to the expansion of solid matter by continually increasing heat or to the liquefaction of rock or to the crystallization of a dense fluid or the accumulation of pent-up gases in whatever conjectures we indulge we can never doubt for a moment that at some unknown depth beneath sweden and the baltic the structure of the globe is in our own times becoming changed from day to day throughout a space probably more than a thousand miles in length and several hundred in breadth end of chapter 30 end of section 74